Hi everybody, I'm Scott Wingeter. Welcome to another episode of uh, Impolite Company. On today's show, we have the chairman of the Republican Party of Montgomery County, Texas, uh, Mr. Brian Christ. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Yep, it's good to have you on. So tell me, first of all, what exactly does the chairman, the county chair of the Republican Party do here in the state of Texas? Yeah, so it's really kind of a twofold role. Um, there are statutory duties that uh, are largely regarding um, how elections are run, primaries are run, making sure you have uh, judges and clerks and things like that. And I'm actually going through that process right now, mm -hmm. making sure that we're, we're staffed for the election coming up in November. And so there's all these statutory duties related to that, you know, putting folks on the ballot and so on and so forth. And then there's also the component of it uh, where I'm the presiding officer of what's called the county executive committee. And that's composed of uh, myself, the county chair. And uh, we have uh, the, the county is divided up into 111 voting precincts. And so in an ideal situation, you have a precinct chair for each one of those voting districts. And so that comprises what's called the county executive committee. Okay. And so the precinct chairs, they live in your neighborhood and your precinct is basically where you go and vote. Like, so for me, I'm precinct 89. Uh, Melinda Oland is my precinct chair and I vote at Bear Branch Elementary School. Yeah. So that's accurate, except for a lot of folks do vote with through the early voting process. Right. And mm -hmm. at that point it's consolidated there's generally 10, 12 of these locations that you can go to. So really what we're talking about is day of voting. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. And so you preside over the county uh, and you try to get Republicans elected, basically. That's the general idea, right? Right. Uh, largely a two-party system. I mean, there are others, right? The independents and libertarians, but they don't generally have a very strong showing. So it's usually the Republicans versus the Democrat. And our goal is to... Uh, make sure that every seat that can have a Republican in the county um, get, gets in there. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, also, so you, how do, how do you get your job? <laughs> how do I get my job? Yeah. Uh, so I ran for this office uh, a little over two years ago. Um, the former chairman, uh, Dr. Wally Wilkerson, had mm -hmm. been there a very long time, 55 years. Yeah. Uh, to put it in perspective, he, he, he used to reminisce about uh, Bush Sr. talking with him, uh, Nixon even. So you go, wow. I mean, he was there for a long time. Yeah, there's pictures of him in Goldwater. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so um, anyhow, he, uh, he retired a couple of years ago, uh, leaving a vacancy in the office. And uh, so I, I ran for that spot. Um, it uh, is a, it's an election that is, uh, because it is a Republican-only spot, right? Mm -hmm. um, I have a counterpart in the other parties, the Democrat being the, the most obvious one. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, your election is pretty much over after the primary is over. That's when the Republicans go to the polls and they pick the Republican uh, nominee that they want to go up against a Democrat mm -hmm. uh, in the general election. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Wally just recently passed and I know that you were pretty close to him. And uh, I, I just want the viewing audience to know what a what a great guy that he was. Um, he was the longest serving Republican Party county chair in our party history. That's correct. And uh, quite quite the man. I, I did appreciate him very much. Um, OK, so. I want to try to get to know you a little bit more. Um, you you represent, uh, like you said, the, the entire county as our Republican Party chair. Correct. Um, and I've gotten to know you over the years uh, with my service in um, sp specifically the senatorial district conventions and the state conventions that I have attended. Uh, I don't have time to be precinct chair. You keep begging me, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, but I, I think it would be really good for our viewing audience to, to have a chance to get to know you. So tell me, what makes you tick? Why... Why are you doing this job that seems like, to be honest with you, a massive headache uh, and you don't even get paid for it? Um, it's really interesting you say that because I get hit with that question all the time. Why are you doing it? Yeah. Um, I can tell you it's not for the money. <laughs> <laughs> there is no money. Right. Um, sometimes 
uh, it's characterized as, as um, my wife's a political consultant, and they say, well, you know, he's doing it because he financially gains through that, which nothing could be further from the truth. It, actually, I am an IT consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've ever run your own business, you know that uh, you work off of billable hours. And so really, this is a money-losing proposition for me. And pretty much every time I pick up the phone, I have to take myself off the clock with the client. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would say over the course of the two years, I've literally lost thousands of dollars. Yeah. So um, why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually really, um, there are really... Uh, great things about this role um, when 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 they we're kind of all working together as we get into like the general election we see a lot more coalescing um, mm-hmm. between folks where sometimes prior to that they're they're a little more separate or in you know off in their corners but uh, there are really some neat things about it um, I, I I believe very strongly in Republican principles and I I feel like you know, I'm trying to remember how the all it takes for uh, evil to prevail is for uh, good men to do nothing, mm-hmm. right? And so I just kind of felt like this is my way of contributing to the process of help keeping Republicanism alive in Montgomery County. Very good, very good. So tell me about your political philosophy. Yeah, so, um, you know, I tend to be somewhat libertarian in my views. Mm-hmm. Um my favorite candidates in, you know, the last uh, several going back. I mean, I loved Donald Trump, but he's not really a libertarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was certainly conservative in a number of ways, and in a number of ways that surprised me. But um, prior to moving to Montgomery County, you know, I tried to get involved in the Ron Paul for presidential campaign, you know, a couple of times. And uh, I was supporting Rand Paul mm-hmm. during the primary process. So those tend to be the folks that I kind of migrate to, the Rand Pauls, the Ted Cruz's of the world. Um, and that's because I really have this underlying philosophy that, um, you know, as long as I'm not infringing on your life, your liberty, or your property, you should pretty much just leave each other alone. Yeah. Um, and But people get really confused when I say that because they say, well, you know, you— you know, you operate, you say one thing, but you sort of operate in a, in a different arena. And that's because, this is a term I learned here recently. I, I understood the principle, but I didn't really understand there was a name associated with called the Overton window. Mm-hmm. And the Overton window is simply um, a, a, like a, a mechanism that identifies, you know, what within the spectrum of what is politically feasible, right? Mm-hmm. So I may be a huge fan of, I don't know, uh, Second Amendment that is so loose that, you know, people should own automatic or RPGs or, I mean, just, you know, whatever kinds of fanciful things people can think of. But, you know, that is not um, politically viable, right? If I go, go, you know, if I were a legislator and I said, hey, I want to introduce a bill where everybody can own a tank, mm-hmm. um, it, it probably wouldn't get off the ground. Right. And that's because it, in the Overton, it's outside the Overton window. So within the Overton window, you have what's possible over here on one side, you have like it's really leftist ideas. And then over here you have these really sort of almost anarchist ideas that mm-hmm. are on the other side. And you can only affect what's inside that window. Yes. And so I tend to look at things like, and um, we had some really great um, turn of events with the abortion, the pro-life. Mm-hmm. And there are some folks that get really upset. They say, well, it didn't go far enough. Right. Right. Um, and I, I get what they're saying. I would agree. I would like to see just abortion categorically ended. Uh, but I'm going to take the approach of chipping away at the iceberg. Mm-hmm. I like, I'll take the small wins, right? If we can move the needle toward conservative principles, I'll take it. Would you define yourself as a conservative? Absolutely. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, well, I think it means that you believe in the principles of the Constitution, mm-hmm. um, the Declaration of Independence. Um, it, it, the Republican Party of Texas has a set of principles enumerated in its platform, and I think those are really a, generally a good representation of what it means uh, to be conservative. So I did some homework on you uh, in preparation for the show. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and uh, one of the videos I saw, uh, it said, uh, it was labeled, Brian Chris says that he does not believe in the Republican Party platform. Uh, so on the record here, uh, without any editing or anything like that, do you believe 100% in the Republican Party platform? So 
That's a loaded question, and I'm going to tell you why. Yes. So that term is being used uh, interchangeably between two things. So the mm -hmm. Republican Party platform has, um, at, the, at the very beginning of the document, uh, it used to be 10, I think it may be 12 principles, and these are the things that I just mentioned. They talk about limited government, being pro-life, supporting the Second Amendment, mm -hmm. things like that. But then there's a whole nother set uh, to that called the planks. And mm -hmm. you can think of the planks as a wish list. Mm -hmm. These are things that Republicans would like to see. Sometimes they reinforce the principles. Um, there are things on there that, so I, I've had this conversation with a lot of folks, um, folks that would consider themselves just uber conservative, right? Yes. No one agrees with all three. It's It's been whittled down. It used to be 330 planks. I believe it's uh, just shy of 300 now, 200 and something, uh, two, upper, upper, upper 200s. Um, and there are things on there like, and I use this because it's hyperbolic, mm -hmm. but there's one about smart meters on there, right? Like mm -hmm. it's like, well, we're against smart meters. And I get the idea behind it is because smart meters have been abused mm -hmm. in other states where they've been implemented. Uh, but to develop a plank saying hey, we're, <laughs> we're categorically against smart meters. Yeah. And if you don't, you're not a Republican. And if you don't, you're not a Republican. And that's the yeah. problem I have with it is this sort of this interchange between words. If if you come, and we did this when we were signing up candidates for uh, to run on the Republican primary ballot, uh, the RPT generated a form and it had the list of principles on it and then simply asked them, which ones do you agree with? Mm -hmm. And if you disagree, why? Um, I can't remember a single, you couldn't ask the judicial candidates to do it because there's a separate code of conduct around right. that. Um, but I can't remember a single candidate in Montgomery County that did not agree with those and so, mm -hmm. I, and look, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of this idea of a purity test, but if you start to tell me that you disagree with two, three of these, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to wonder what your definition of Republicanism sure. is. Yeah. yeah, no, and I think that's where we're at. And it's, it's sad. Um, you know, I'm a lot like you in that I'm, I'm sure. I've read the Republican Party platform. Uh, we just both served as delegates uh, for SD7 at the state convention and there were things that were passed on that platform the planks mm -hmm. specifically that i don't agree with uh am i willing to pick up a fight and die on that hill no uh will i die on the hill of those principles every day mm -hmm. every day and that and there is a difference and it's important that people recognize that difference between those principles and just the you know 300 and such uh, party plan, uh, platform planks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm glad you were able to clear that up for us. Okay. So, <laughs> so here's a question for you and, um, I'm just going to be honest here. Uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room, huh? <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to air our dirty laundry here. If that's okay. Yeah, I, it, sure. I'm, I'm open to whatever. What is the state of the Republican party in Montgomery County? Um, if you've, been paying half attention to social media you know that there is a fracture right now um and uh you know working through it as best we can given the circumstances but it i'll admit it's it's challenging yeah yeah absolutely um i have friends on both sides of this and i'm gonna call it what it is i think it's a factious civil war we've broken the republican party of montgomery county into separate factions and I understand the arguments of people on each side. I understand uh, that, like I said, I have friends on both sides of this, you know, uh, civil war. And what I really like to see is I think there's a time and place for us to fight like cats and dogs. And I think the proper place for that is definitely the primaries. And I have no problem whatsoever uh, with that. It's kind of like what you alluded to earlier where, you know, we fight during the primaries for what candidates we want to win. And then in the November election, we come back together and coalesce. That's the way it should be. Um, and, you know, people who get really upset in the primaries, uh, I'm reminded of uh, Tommy Lee Jones's line in uh, Lincoln, where he says, trust, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. I thought that your uh, profession, chosen profession was that of politics. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's where, that's where kind of where I'm at, but I think it's gone a little bit further than that. Would that be accurate? 
Well, it's definitely gone further than that. I think um, I mean, the, probably I don't know, most in your audience don't know this, but it would be very easy to figure it out just by kind of, like you said, combing through social media. But, uh, you know, one of the unfortunate things that happened, and we're still trying to figure out what, you know, what this all means, but um, I, I used to be a signature authority on the bank account, mm-hmm. and uh, I was removed, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though I wasn't there and present. Uh, to be removed from it. So uh, that's been kind of the latest thing that's uh, made it challenging. Yeah. So let's go back in time, if you will, because I've been dying to know this as, you know, a person that's active in Republican Party politics here in Montgomery County. And like I said, I have people on this side telling me one thing and people on this side telling me one thing. And I would just like to know from your perspective, how did this all start? Sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's a little, it's going to unfortunately be a little bit academic. That's fine. Conversation. My audience, I think is pretty used to that. So, uh, when we talked about the Republican party of Texas, we talked about the platform every two years. Um, there's a convention, state convention, and it's an opportunity for us to come together. We form committees. We talk about things like the rules. So the RPT, the Republican Party of Texas, has, there's a set of rules that we operate under. Um, there's a hierarchy in it kind of how um, the RPT at the state level and also at the county executive committal, committee level operate. And, and the hierarchy, I think, is pretty easy to understand um, when you start it with the analogy of like the United States Constitution. Mm-hmm. Like no body, when I say body, no organization, has a right to violate the Bill of Rights, for example, mm-hmm. right? Like that, we, we understand that the Supreme Court will weigh in and the Constitution um, is the supreme law of land, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have federal laws and you have state laws and state constitutions. So those are kind of up at the upper tier of preeminence, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the most canonical sources of authority. And then you start getting down into local politics. And so you have the RPT rules. Mm-hmm. And the RPT rules govern um, without being super specific on things. They don't, they don't micromanage the county executive committee, but they do put things in place. One of the things that they, they call for is uh, at the beginning of the biennium. So for folks that don't know what that means, it means the term of the county chair and the precinct chairs, which we talked about this a minute ago, their term is a two-year term loosely. Um, basically, their term concludes 20 days after the primary. And, and a lot of times that means a runoff. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, the biennium for the the previous biennium ended at midnight on July 12th. I'm sorry, June 12th. Um, And then there's sort of this clock that kicks in according to the RP2 rules, and it requires me to call what's called an organizational meeting within 45 days of that happening. And it puts some boundaries on it. It says, you know, here's what you have to include. Here's how you have to do it. And one of the things, it's, it's not, it's, it's not the only thing, but one of the things that it requires is you to go through the process of adopting bylaws for your organization. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it allows you to do this with a simple majority. Now there's a whole set of debate around whether that's a healthy practice or not. Um, but that is what the rule is. The rule says uh, adopt bylaws by simple majority. And it says that if you fail to do that in that meeting, uh, then the previous biennium's bylaws are enacted. And okay. so, uh, so those bylaws are really what govern the county executive committee. So we're beholden to things like the Texas election code. We're beholden to RPT rules. Those are, those are, we're subservient to that. Those, you know, yeah, anything you we put in our bylaws can't violate mm-hmm. these higher levels of authority. Right. You can't violate the U S constitution or state law or the state constitution. And you had got to go all the way down until yeah. you get to what yeah. you can sort of loosely move around and within the organization. Yeah. And, and at the bottom of this sort of hierarchy of rules uh, is what's called Robert's rules of order. Um, yeah. You've got, uh, you've got a copy right there. Robert's rules of order newly, newly revised is actually what <laughs> we are required by the RPT. The RPT plugs this in at their level and says that all of its sub committees and other entities that it governs, um, must adhere to Robert's Rules of Order. So in the sort of the pecking order of authority, if the RPT doesn't say anything about an issue, 
and the county executive committee bylaws don't say anything about an issue, then you start looking for your authority to do something in Robert's Rules of Order. And as you can see from that book you held up, it's 800-something pages long. Yes. It's pretty comprehensive. It's a tome, yes. Yeah, so how did we get to where we're at right now? Um, so we held our organizational meeting on July 19th. And as crazy as it sounds, um, we debated the agenda mm -hmm. um, for almost three hours, maybe a little bit longer. I've and there's a Texas law that says that your agenda has to be posted X amount of days before the meeting and has to be open meeting and all that. It's not a Texas law. It's an RPT rule. Oh, okay. So it's in this RPT rule. I think it's 8E is the section. So if you go look it up, you're going to see like a whole paragraph on this stuff. And it includes with failure to enact or adopt bylaws will enact the previous bienniums. So we debated for like three hours. And at one point this gentleman piped up and he, and I recognized him and he said, uh, you know, so I'm paraphrasing. There's a video on this and it's been transcribed, but it basically says something like Mr. Chairman, we've been here for three hours. We still haven't gotten past the agenda. There's obviously two factions here and we're, you know, with, and he said, I, I move that we adjourn um, until these two groups can, you know, uh, work things out and, and, and call us back. And I, it, it, if you go back and look at the video, look, listen to the video, it's really, and not really, like I remember at the time what he said from the bench, mm -hmm. um, but uh, you, you go back and look at it. It's, there's too to much. I'll, I'll try to find the video and I'll put it in the notes for, for folks to take a look at. Yeah, it. people are so excited at this idea of adjourning <laughs> that I can't make out, like you'll hear the crowd just like, oh, this is great. You know, like they're just, they're enthused about like ending this meeting. Yeah. And it really caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting um, this to happen. Um, and then, so th there's, th this is important. It's again, it's academic and I hate to try to, try to kind of noodle this, but I have to. Yeah. Um, so Robert's Rules of Order, um, there's three types of adjournments, okay? You went to convention. Yes. That was what was, we would categorize it as a multi-day session. Mm -hmm. It's one session, but it's it's conducted over a span. There's a program that goes with it. We knew there was a day one, and this was on day two, this was on it. And if you call for an adjournment during something like that, it's effectively a recess. You're basically just saying, hey, we're going to pick this up the next day. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so... Nothing really happens in that other than you come back the next day and you continue on. There's another kind of motion that is similar in nature to a recess. So um, it's uh, sometimes it's called a, a adjournment to a, a fixed time or a time to continue. What's the technical word for this? It's a, a adjourn. Do you want to look it up? Yeah, I, it's okay. I'll just describe it. Basically. Um, if you would just say something like, uh, you know, Mr. Chairman, I move that we adjourn till 7 p.m. on the 23rd, mm -hmm. okay? That's actually treated like a recess, right? But you have to specify the date and time that this is going to resume. So those are the two that kind of act like a recess. And then there's just sort of a vanilla adjourn. Mm -hmm. And the vanilla adjourn just, it just ends the session. It's just over. It's done. Um and that's the one that most people are familiar with because they'll go to some HOA meeting or some board meeting or something and they'll do their business and they adjourn and it's just over and done with. Well, what the gentleman proposed was, was simply that. It was a vanilla adjourn. Mm -hmm. And I, I recited for the body, I said, hey, everybody, I have a motion on the floor to adjourn. Do I, do I have a second? And, and before I can even get the words out of my mouth, like, you know, everybody was like, I, there were so many seconds I couldn't count it. Right. Uh, but, you know, wanting to ensure that the body, you know, knew what was going on. I repeated, I said, we have a motion to adjourn um, and a second. It's not debatable. It's not amendable. Um, and then I said, all in favor, say aye. And it was just, it was loud. Mm -hmm. I, you know, you don't normally, like, I don't normally, I, I try, my role is to call balls and strikes. Mm -hmm. And if it's really close, I'm pretty good about saying like, hey guys, we're going to have to like do some sort of like, you'll stand up and we'll count you down and that kind of thing to, to really, to, mm -hmm. but it was clear. I mean, it was shocking. I, I, I think it probably approached two thirds of yeah. the room. And then there was other folks there that were kind of sitting in the guest section and they were like, yeah, it was really high. It was like two thirds. And uh, so there was no question in my mind and I just called it. So the guys have it, right? And mm -hmm. I called for the nose. You're supposed to do that. Yeah. And it was clearly, uh, 
not as loud. The voice of the minority has rights. Yeah, it, yeah mm-hmm. the voice of the minority. So I called for the no's. Um, it was definitely a smaller group. Mm-hmm. And so I called. I said, okay, meeting adjourned. Well, I mean, you had no choice. Is that right? Well, that, that's how it works, right? Mm-hmm. Like an adjournment um, is... The, the body can adjourn at any time, mm-hmm. right? Um, you can put some limitations on a meeting by setting a time to adjourn, but it's a hard, it's a, it's an upper limit. It's not a, it's not like a lower limit. It's not like you have to run until then mm-hmm. it's, you can run up in until then. And if the body wants to push it out then they can take a vote, uh, to, to do so to amend that. Right. Yeah. But, uh, the body can call for a vote at any time. It's perfectly legitimate and a vote to adjourn at any time. And that's exactly what happened. And I called it the way I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the rule, right, in the RPT, what is that, 8E, I think, mm-hmm. again says, failure to adopt bylaws, you know, at the organizational meeting, effectively uh, enacts the old biennium bylaws. Right. So now we're stuck with the 2020 rules that was passed well, so it didn't stop there. You'd think, okay, that was pretty cut and dry. But um, the interesting thing about the bylaws that were enacted is when you go and read them, they never, <clears throat> they were crafted like two years ago and they never sort of took into the account this automatic trigger clause. Mm-hmm. So they have provisions for things that are supposed to be done in an organizational meeting, but it's this really weird like, disconnect of logic right the only way they were enacted is because the organizational meeting came to an end Mm -hmm. and then that says that they got triggered but there's things in that that say well these are things that you have to happen to have to happen at an organizational meeting they're like whoever you know worked on it didn't really comprehend that this kind of scenario could happen it just sort of presupposed that everybody were going to pass it right in an organizational (laughs) meeting and it didn't happen right um and so uh then both uh, which you called factions or groups earlier, um, sort of recognized that there were some things that needed to be fixed up. There was there was one group that didn't like, I, I'll say, I don't, I don't know. I'm, they wanted to continue the organizational meeting. Mm-hmm. I, I see no basis for that. Um, then there was another group that said, hey, we're stuck with what, we, what happened, mm-hmm. um, but we need to fix some things up, right? Like it called for officers and stuff. And so what you effectively had, you know, for example, there's a construct in there called the steering committee mm-hmm. and the chair of it, but it has three other officer positions and five at large positions. So those are all vacant. Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, the one group was like, Hey, we need to, we need to fix these vacancies. Right. Um, and so what ended up happening was, um, <laughs> the, the biennium, the bylaws from the old biennium, which, um, I say categorically are the ones that we're operating under now. They have a provision in there for calling special meetings. So in Robert's Rules of Order, you can't call a special meeting unless your bylaws prescribe it. So you can have your organizational meeting, which is sort of bootstrapped by the RPT rules. Mm-hmm. And then you have what are called regularly scheduled meetings. These are ones that you just, you take a, a vote on. You say, we're going to meet, mm-hmm. you know, every third Tuesday of the month or some some formula that, you know, puts it on the calendar and you just, you meet and conduct business. Um, the only other the only other um, way you really get stuff on the calendar is at a meeting, you can make a motion that will set, set up another meeting, mm-hmm. maybe in between or something like that. But there's a construct in the bylaws um, that allow you to uh, call a special meeting. So that's what Robert's Rules of Order says. You know, unless your bylaws prescribe it, you're pretty much out of luck on a special meeting. The bylaws do. And the formula for that is basically um, 20% if you want to call one, you need to get uh, a, a buy-in from uh, 20% of your fellow precinct chairs. Okay. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and you need to state what the purpose of the meeting is for and things like that's That's not as specific as I'd like it to be, but generally that's the idea. Um, so both groups um, invoked, and, and I think this is really interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're going to take the position that the old bylaws aren't enacted, mm-hmm but you're going to cite them to call your special meeting. I think that's a really difficult position to hold. You're tapping out and admitting that this yeah, you're, prior set of rules from 2020 that I'm quoting the, this particular rule out of yeah. has authority and effect. Exactly. Right. So that's a really kind of, in my mind, I don't know how you reconcile that. Like if I'm going to cite 
the authority that I'm in, in like I'm implicitly recognizing that it is the authority. Mm -hmm. uh, but both groups uh, called a special meeting for uh, gosh, I can't remember. I think it was the twenty third, July twenty third, um, and uh, there's no provision. Uh, that prevents two groups, right? So getting 20% is easy, right? You can get 20% and you still have 80% of the body that hasn't said boo, right? Mm -hmm. So you still have another 20% that you can garner. And so you had these two groups calling us a special meeting. They were competing agendas on the same day, same time. And so that became very challenging for me as the chairman, because obviously I can't be in two places at the same time, right? Like mm -hmm. which one am I going to preside over? Um, so the idea was uh, to be to be fair, to be equitable. Um, see if I could get both. You know, would 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 they agree to do it at the same location? At least that way I can show up to one spot, right? Like, right. I can't clone myself. <laughs> That'd yeah. be great if I could. Well, think of the work you I, I could die. You know, <laughs> you probably wouldn't be talking to me right now, um, but. Um, that was sort of the idea was okay well if we can if we can pick the same venue at least then i can show up and i'm i'm there and then just let the body decide right and there was i think this kind of argument well we're not in session how can we take a vote and i i, I don't think that's a legitimate argument and, and I'll, t I'll give you the illustration um i tell people this uh you know if i invited you over to my house for dinner and it was a group of us mm -hmm. um I can invoke what's effectively a personal referendum. Mm -hmm. I can say, hey guys, do you want to eat inside or do you want to eat outside? Okay. Mm -hmm. I can do that. I'm actually like subjugating my own personal freedoms to the will of a group, right? I can do that. It's my, if I want to yield to, and you'll say, okay, y'all, we're going to all eat outside. And I go outside, y'all can do that, right? I've given you the authority to take that vote, even in my own home, right? Right. So this is a Brian Christ, the man asking yes. a group of people, to vote on what meeting he wants to attend. Right. Not chairman of the Republican Party of Montgomery County asking the body to vote for yeah. something. Yeah. So I was just going to say, hey, y'all take a simple vote, right? Like, we've got this group of people here together, the precinct chairs. Y'all just vote on which agenda you want to pursue, and that'll have the effect of dictating which one I'm presiding over, right? Like, which one I will gavel in. Mm -hmm. Um they didn't they didn't want to go down that path here's a question can is it is it possible for a meeting of the republican party of uh, montgomery T county to gavel a meeting in where you're not presiding over it there is a path for that mm -hmm. um it depends so in the bylaws that i would say are active right there mm -hmm. is sort of this uh pecking order yeah i think most people are familiar with like you know for some reason the president was incapacitated then it falls to uh the vice president and mm -hmm. then, the, then the next it's the speaker of the house right like we sure. understand there's sort of this and in the bylaws that we that were enacted um they have a formula for that it's it's very similar it's if if i don't show up for a meeting then you have the vice chair that can preside and then you have think maybe up next is the secretary i can't remember off the top of my head but you get the idea there's mm -hmm. this sort of like chain of authority if i'm out of town or something the problem was we didn't have officers mm -hmm. right like apart from myself i was the only officer um, because we concluded on uh, on the 19th without like we invoked a set of bylaws but it was after the organizational meeting was complete. So we had a bunch of vacancies in offices and things like that. I see. Um, so to run a meeting without me under those circumstances, there is a prescription for it in Robert's Rules of Order, but it's, um, I don't know that it's ever been used and I've not seen anyone use it. Okay, here's a question. Am I right in thinking that you, Brian Christ, the man, the man, not, yes, not not the the human being, yes, yes not the you. chairman of the Republican Party of Montgomery County. Although you are, you know, in effect, the same person. That you have a personal bias between perhaps these factions. Uh, personal bias. Mm, I'm not going to characterize it that way. Okay. Um, 
or maybe let me let me try to paint it and for where I'm going here. Is there something that maybe given the two options, you would be happier seeing this way, but like you want to be fair, right? But yeah, I'd be happier if it went this way. Yeah. So let me be really clear. I'm Mm -hmm. not a fan of the bylaws that were enacted. Mm -hmm. Um, We operated under them for two years and I found them wrought with problems Mm -hmm. and I was not the only person. Uh, What I attempted to do um, was I hosted what I called bylaw workshops. This was prior to the organizational meeting, right? Okay. And this was very informal. Uh, it was, we just uh, met together in a room sufficiently large enough to, you know, I invited every precinct chair. This mm-hmm. was, there was, I don't believe in excluding people. I, so we invited everyone. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about it, and I don't, I don't hold back on this. It's, it's, it's an opportunity for me to participate too. Yeah. Um, when I'm, presiding over the body I'm, I'm not allowed to weigh in on a yes or no type of like i can't advocate for or against something mm-hmm. uh, but in these workshops they're not real they're not formal meetings they're not proper it's just like when you were in grade school and you just raise your hand and you you, know, you can tell me you know what, what is it you want to you know say or whatever right? sure. just like a teacher runs a classroom yeah and uh, so we did that right and my hope was that we would come out of that with something that everybody sort of compromised and, and agreed on mm-hmm. and and unfortunately, like you, like I've explained, we didn't wind up with, with those. What we wound up was, uh, the old set. So I, so I don't even like those. Sure. Um, so here's here's. But I, I will tell you, like, yeah. mm-hmm. so I I do favor what came out of the workshop because I believe it was done collectively, right? Sure. And so if you said, well, do you have a bias? I guess my bias would be toward the work that came out of that. Mm-hmm. But I, it's not. Well, really what I'm getting at with this question, and I was trying to set it up this way, is why didn't you just say, you know what, I'm the chairman, and uh, I'm going to attend meeting A over meeting B. Why didn't you do that? Because I wanted it to be fair and equitable, right? Um, There's no, like, this is one of those things that I don't like about the bylaws. Hmm? It allows this bizarre situation where, and it, it doesn't, I mean, technically, like I said, you know, like, okay, if 20% do it here and 20% do it here, mm-hmm. I still lose room for even a third group. Sure. Right? Based yeah. on the numbers, could call it. And I find that super bizarre, right? But there's no prohibition against it. So instead of going with, you know, this 20% over here, the you decided that you weren't going to really take part in this and right. you wanted... 100% of the precinct chairs that were present at that meeting to decide what direction yeah, the, just, the county Republicans should go. Yeah, just make it a simple vote, right? Like, I'll mm-hmm. go with whatever the, and that's that's the best I can do for being impartial is saying, hey, I can't be in two places at one time. I can't preside over two meetings at the same time. Let y'all decide which one that you want me to attend. And so correct me if I'm wrong, a meeting doesn't start until you gavel it in. A proper session does not start until I gavel it in. So if I read for you the definition of meeting here <laughs> under chapter 8. 8-2. Eight 8-2, two. Eight two, yeah. yeah. It, um, what you're su- saying is that here it says, a meeting of an assembly is a single official gathering of its members in one room or area to transact business for a length of time during which there is no cessation of proceedings and the members do not separate. So, the, but you're, you're saying is that meeting can't start until you, the chairman, are presiding over it. Yeah, the presiding officer has to gavel the meeting in. Okay, so the meeting never even started. Uh, it so. This is a, this is an area that is really, uh, interesting to me, and uh, l- let me kind of unpack this a little bit. Yeah. Um, so in that meeting, and there's there's a video you can go and watch it. Yeah, that's um, that's where I'm getting the majority of these questions. Yeah, this there's a meeting. <laughs> there's a the the meeting was video recorded, and um, I simply wasn't permitted. It's the way to say that. I you know I tried to say to the body, the question was, well, which one are you presiding over? Some well, I'm letting all decide, mm-hmm. right, right. And are that, we going to eat indoors or outdoors? Right. Yeah. Right. And what they were trying to get me to do was to pick a side, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do that. I, I said, well, I want to let the body decide. Um, it got really, really chaotic after that. Um, at one point, um, my microphone was turned off. Mm-hmm. You'll see, again, you see all this in a video. My microphone was turned off. 
um, at, at some point it was demanded to be taken away from me. Um, and I didn't challenge it. It was a private property. Um, and I asked very specifically, are you asserting stewardship on this private property? And, and when the answer came back, yes, I said, okay, well, here's the microphone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and contrary to popular belief, I didn't leave the meeting. Um, it got really chaotic. Um, and our former chaplain, uh, Billy Graff, yeah, I commend him. He, uh, he kind of went and just took command in the middle of the room and said, Hey guys, it's out of control. Mm-hmm. We're Christians. Yeah. Um, we need to pray. And, uh, so we prayed and, uh, I thought, Hey, this is, this is good. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe tempers have, you know, settled down. A little yeah. Bit. Billy's a great guy. Yeah. Billy. And I, I commended him for that. I said, this was really good. I called him up where I was sitting. And I said, um, Billy, thanks for doing that. And I kind of thought, well, maybe uh, there's an opportunity to, to, to if, if tempers have settled down, then we can do something that is, uh, gets us past this, right? Mm-hmm. And I had gone out into the hallway earlier and observed that there was like a, like a lounge area out there. So I told Billy, I said, hey, look, you've got, you've got the two groups here. You've got their leaders here. Um, you know, why don't you as the, you know, in your capacity as a pastor, uh, see if we foster a conversation. We'll go out into the hallway. Um, you know, you go get, uh, the gentleman that was sort of leading the, the one group, mm-hmm. uh, was his name's Robert Walker. Uh, and then there's another gentleman that leads sort of the other group. His name is James Byers. And, uh, I said, why don't you go get James Byers? Why don't you go get Robert Walker? Uh, you'll lead the meeting. I'll be there to attend. And we'll go out to the hall. We'll just have like a gentleman's conversation. Sure. Uh, so I, I left. I went outside in the hall. But it was because I was leaving the meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going outside because I thought we could could do this. And uh, so James, he went to go against James. And joined, he joined us outside. Uh, and I, I later, because I wasn't in the room, right? I, well, my, my observations, I'll be very clear about this. I don't exactly know what was said between Robert Walker and, and Billy. Um, I just saw the video recording and you can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looked like that uh, Robert was um, rejecting his offer. I, I again, I, I'm gonna be very clear. This is I don't I don't know what was. It's said. conjecture, but, but you're but he didn't come together. Yeah, and he didn't come out when Billy came out. He he came out without him. I see. And so that effort really kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, you know, we were still trying to like talk through uh, this, but at some point. And again, I'd have to go back to the video to see exactly how it happened, but that group started, I, I guess, doing whatever they thought they needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not there, right? So, so where do we go from here? What's the status of the... I'm going to go back to my first question. What is the state of the Republican Party in Montgomery County? Though? Well, so, uh, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm, I've been very clear on this. I believe we have... A set of bylaws that were enacted on July 19th triggered by this clause. Sure. Um, there is a difference of opinion mm-hmm. from another group, uh, and they're they're almost they're really not reconcilable. Reconcilable. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got different procedures in them. Uh, you know, I don't I don't believe that there is it's like. So the old bylaws, you can fix them up. There's an amendment process. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert's Rules of Order basically say that you, you effectively you can't change the bylaws. The bylaws are the Constitution, right? Right. Our Constitution has an amendment process, right? There's two ways mm-hmm. that you can change. Uh, you're an expert. You may be like, well, there's a third one. But I think it's just two. Uh, two ways to amend the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And um, the bylaws are like that, right? There's prescribes a process. And if you don't prescribe the process, they're immutable. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so there is a formula in there. It's, it's pretty compli- complicated. It involves establishing a rules committee and a body voting, deferring it to the rules committee, and then then bringing it back before the body in a two-thirds vote. I mean, if you did it all end to end, I would probably take two months to get through a process <laughs> like that, right? Right. Uh, so we're kind of stuck with this set of bylaws for you know, better or worse. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and we're trying to make the best out of it. In the meanwhile, there are things like uh, in the Texas election code, there's an, uh, so I mentioned that this county executive committee that I presided over, mm -hmm. it's probably the most well-known of the constructs in the Texas uh, election code. Mm -hmm. um, but there are others, there's the state executive committee. So we, we run around in the Republican party, we call that the SREC. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it's like the upper level of management, if you will. Yeah. Uh, they actually have their own bylaws, interestingly enough. Sure. Um, you have what's called district executive committees. Mm -hmm. They're not widely used in Texas. They do exist. Um, and then you have the county executive committee, which is what we've been largely talking about this entire time. And then you have another mechanism called the precinct executive committee. Hmm. So the Texas election code has a clause in it that basically says, and I'm paraphrasing, but it basically says the state parties can effectively layer rules on top of these constructs. Okay. okay. Um, and they do that. If you look at the RPT rules, the ones mm -hmm. that we were talking about earlier, sure. they have rules for what, you know, the SREC must do, rules for governing the DEC or the District Executive Committee. And these were all rules that we just passed yeah, in rules July we just in voted on. It, interestingly enough, doesn't say a, anything about the Precinct Executive Committee. It has... One, I think they've I've found like one rule that doesn't specify which executive committee. It just says executive committees. Mm -hmm. So I believe that rule would apply to the, the precinct executive committees. Yeah. Um, so really, other than their existence in the Texas election code, which gives me the authority as the county chair to call them, basically hold their first meeting, kind of like an organizational meeting. It's not quite, but mm -hmm. um, I can call them either by... Uh, JP or constable district. So we have five of those. Right. And then we have, uh, you can also do it by commissioner court district. Okay. And, and so four of those. Four of those. And so I said, you know what? I like the fact that there are five. We've got a November election coming up. If I can establish these, right, mm -hmm. I'll have at least a skeletal framework where I have these points, point people in the, in the county that I can go to and I can say, hey, you know, we've got materials we need to push out or an event we need to host and it's your neck of the woods mm -hmm. or alignment with, uh, we've got a number of clubs. We've got like seven Republican women's clubs. We've got the Pachyderm club. The uh, Hispanic the Hispan Yeah, I would club. be, I know I was going to mention that we've got the Hispanic, <laughs> uh, uh, Montgomery County, right? Yep. So we've got all these clubs. And so this was an, a way to like sort of geographically plant, um, folks that I could rely on, right? They actually operate autonomously. Like, yeah. The one statutory thing that's required of the Texas election code is when I call it, the the thing that's required to be on the order of business for the day is the election of the chair for that. Um, so the only folks that comprise that are the chair that they elect and the precinct chairs that reside in that particular JP district. I see. And so I establish those. And I actually don't even have standing to speak in those except for the one that is in my home court, which is... Uh, JP five. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been propping those up. I'll actually be leaving here tonight to go stand up the one for JP two uh, this evening. And so trying to put this in place, provide some structure while we have this unfortunate situation with bylaws and the deficiencies that came out of it um, because the November election is super important. And I felt like we needed boots on the ground and strategic places so that we can get some stuff done. I see. Last question, and yeah, then we got to go. Sure. How do we heal this division? Because, folks, we need to heal this division. I understand that we're there. You know, like I said, I have friends on both sides of this issue. I have, I, I, I fully understand the passions that are flying right now, but we have got to put some of that stuff aside right now. We have a whole entire nation that's about to go down the tubes. And while we should be busy fighting against socialism, we're fighting over this little stuff, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. And um, so, what, how do you, how do you propose to fix this? Um, I wish I had the the magic answer for that. Yeah. Um, well, are you are you tough question? Are you willing to sit down still with you know the the two factions? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, I know you've had Steve Toth on mm -hmm. your show before. Um, you know, 
So I told you, you know, about what happened that meeting where I thought, well, maybe Billy Graff can serve as a mm -hmm. mediator, right? And we could have this conversation and work this out. Right. And that obviously fell apart. Right. Um, Steve Toth had a really great idea. He floated it. Um, and the idea was, you know, get a couple of folks, you know, on the, on, on each, you know, camp, mm -hmm. um, and some pastors and sit down and talk and, so the one group sort of, you know, kind of led by James Byers, mm -hmm. uh, they were willing. Okay. Uh, but um, my understanding is that it was met with resistance on the other side. I, again, I, this is what I'm hearing, right? I'm not involved sure. in these conversations. Oh, no, I understand. I just, I, I know personally from personal experience that this is possible, that we can broker a peace, that this is possible. This happened at our SD7 convention when I was running the resolutions chair, uh, committee, um, we had both sides in that room and they were angry at each other. And we spent, I don't know what, an hour, at in least that an room, hour. Yeah. Just going back and forth. And then that, you know, eventually we, we were able to reconcile and walk out of that room. Everybody was smiling and everybody was proud of the work that we had done. It is possible, but you have to have both sides willing to sit down. And so I guess what I'm asking is I'm begging you, if you're, you know, a precinct chair out there and you're watching this, if you're on, it doesn't matter what side you're on. I'm not, I'm not picking sides here. All right. I want to make that very clear. What I'm interested in is making sure that our, Republican Party here in Montgomery County is functional and is able to stop and fight socialism. That's my heart, okay? We'll have all the primaries in the world in the future to fight like cats and dogs, but we got an election coming up in November. We have a, I think it's going to be a huge wave, red wave election, and this is where we have to stand united, and it's really important that we do that. And so I encourage, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, so... Be a peacemaker and sit down and listen to the other side. May be surprised. Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Well, Mr. Chairman, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, again, I think you're doing a tremendous job. Um, I know it, it breaks your heart that a lot of this is, you know, the personal attacks and on all that. And it's, in my opinion, not necessary. Like I can disagree with, with you and I can do so agreeably. Uh, I have a, a phrase I like to say, don't sling mud. Two things happen when you sling mud. You get your hands dirty and you lose a lot of ground, right? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, it's okay that we're, you and I aren't going to agree on everything. Uh, me and, you know, all the other Republicans here in Montgomery County aren't going to agree on everything. But we can at least all agree on the important things, those principles. And we can agree on the fact that we need to stop socialism from destroying our republic. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I hope it's in that heart that you uh, continue to work, and I wish you success, and I'll be praying for our, <laughs> you. our county. I appreciate that. Yep. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Brian. Thank you. All right. Thank you for watching another episode of Impolite Company, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Impolite Company, presented by The Doc Line. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate our podcast and leave a five-star review for us.